Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about what to do when your partner is not on the same page. Mm. Oh, which would never happen with us. Never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we were talking in the green room about this subject because it, it sort of came on uh, our radar. And I was like, geez, I don't know if I don't have any partnerships. And I was like, wait a minute, the podcast, <laughs> this show. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it was funny because um, I've never, when I went solo, for, you know, I left the firm I was the VP of and I went solo. I just like vowed never to have employees from day one and, and mm-hmm. you know, very much an outdoor cat. And, you know, but I've done. I mean, this is this is definitely a business related thing, but there's no money changing hands. There's, you know, there's right. no advertising. There's none of that stuff. I was like, oh, but wait, this is like, it's like a partnership. And, and, uh, and if we, you know, and, and we do have, what would you, I wouldn't call it a rule. It's just sort of a tacit agreement that we, you know, that any guests we have on the show is like unanimous or nothing. Yes. Yeah. It's sort of like saying we each have veto power. Mm-hmm. over over the other guests but right. yeah but I, th- I think part of it too is that and it's, it's why I didn't immediately think of this as a partnership either but it is because it was so clean you know we didn't know each other when we started this so you know the risk you could argue that's high risk or low risk but there was no like you know old relationship stuff you yeah, know that we'd been friends since grade school kind of coming <laughs> into it or yeah Right. Very clean. And and you'll remember we spent, what, like an hour? Well, we spent an hour on the phone kind of shushing each other out. But then when you had this idea and you emailed me, we went back and forth quite a bit um, before we actually agreed. So you could argue that was almost like a partnership agreement. That's true. We did. Yeah, remember? We yeah. talked about what the show would look like because I had a little bit different idea. And, and you talked me into uh, fewer guest interviews. Remember we had that mm-hmm. whole that whole conversation. So yeah, mm-hmm. we it's it's kind of it's kind of like a partnership in a microcosm. Yeah, it was did like a negotiation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. We so, did. It was just at hyperspeed. Funny. And there's no money, there's no written contract, you know, there's none of that. Right. Yeah, it's just like just so it's like a a little miniature example. And there and and when we were kind of brainstorming it after we were thinking of, thought of that or realized that, it was like, yeah, we could definitely come up with stuff that the other person would not you know, we wouldn't because we already are aligned. But if we were like the kinds right. of things that would misalign to be like, oh, let's let's go. Let's go full woo woo or let's start doing <laughs> ads at the beginning and, you know, sell Casper mattresses or something. And just, oh let's monetize God. this thing, you know, <laughs> and just be like, oh, come on. And then and then what do you do, though? What do you do when, you know, your business or whatever the partnership is, when it grows to a point where maybe uh, someone's dissatisfied, for example, someone's dissatisfied, but there's not enough growth or I'm not fulfilled in this anymore, or, uh, I, I can't take the, you know, the, there's too many hours working too many hours, mm-hmm. but the other person, I want to zig, you want to zag. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the other person's like, no, status quo is great. And, mm-hmm. you know, just as one example, and it's like, well, what do you do? You know, the, let's just leave splitting out because that's not interesting like obviously you could split it up somehow but that's that's obvious right so like what do you do if you're not going to split it up uh, you know and what sorts of things would cause a partnership to start to become misaligned 
So yeah, so well, we're going to talk. And about I also that. think we want to use the word partner in its broadest sense because it could be your spouse or significant other mm-hmm. um, who maybe doesn't have an actual interest in the business in terms of owning a piece, but they have an interest in it because they're your life partner, (laughs) right? Yeah. It affects what you do. It affects them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, right? I haven't had a business partner, but I've been with the same life partner the entire time. And Mm -hmm. fortunately for me, I think it makes it easy. It makes it easy for someone like me because her, because the way she is, is just very aligned. She's like, I don't want to know. I trust you. Do what, do what you think is the right thing to do, and I'm on board. Just make sure that mm-hmm. the mortgage is paid. That's all she, you know, yeah. it's not all she cares about. But, but that's the extent of of the input that she gives me about the business. You know, she's like, whatever, that's your thing. Just make sure. Yeah. That, just make sure. You know, and yeah. she's a reasonably high. It's I almost said risk tolerance, but it doesn't. You know, at this point, it doesn't really feel that risky. You know, so it's pretty predictable. It's been predictable all along. So, but, but I've had plenty of experience with soloists, you know, probably most of the people listening soloists that have a spouse that has a dramatically different risk tolerance than they do. And yes, yeah, and it, and it, it becomes a problem or not a problem, but it becomes a, a point of discussion about, you know, for example, this is, I, I know multiple situations where someone has come into my orbit and been like, I hate my day job. Uh, I, I want to start freelancing. Uh, how do I do it? it? They don't put it like this, but it's like, how do I do it and make sure I succeed? Because my husband or wife will freak out if mm-hmm. he or she sees any dip in the monthly revenue, you know, the monthly income. Yeah. And I'm like, it's it's tough. You know, it's like, what do you do in that situation where one person is like status quo and the other person is dissatisfied and and I mean, a risk needs to be taken. Like you, you're not gonna. There's always a risk. I mean, well, yeah, you have to change if you want something to be different. Yeah, cha- you can't change without risk. It doesn't, you know. So you get you get folks that are just well, whatever. That we, that's just one example. So well, and let me just I just want to pile on to that for a second because I found at least in my experience with friends, clients, um, colleagues, former colleagues. Um, it seems like when you're in partnership with someone, like life partnership, that there's it seems like there's always one that is more bring on the risk, and the other one is like no, let's be really safe, let's be secure, and I kind of like that dynamic, right? Because it kind you kind of keep each other from going too far off the rails, but yes. it does mean that there's the potential for disagreement, for conflict, um, you know, and you have to find your way through that. Yeah, right, right, right. That's a good point because the extent of the of the different, it, I guess I wouldn't call it misalignment if it's still productive, but it can get to a, a stage of paralysis where one person is just really dug in and the other person is, you know, to like, let's keep things the way they are. And the other person is just like, I'm going crazy. I can't keep things the way they are. Where, mm-hmm. And I, I would agree. I, I think that um, it's natural to have some friction between partners, you know, like, like, Paul and John making Keith, like without the friction, there's no pearl. So I think there's always going to be some, and I don't think the goal is to remove it completely, but you want to get to a point where you can make forward progress. That's to me, that's the key issue. Like if you're paralyzed by the, if the misalignment is so bad that you can't move, then something's going to break, you know, because the person who's going crazy is, isn't going to be able to take it. Uh, but if there can be some forward, you know, if there can be some compromise, I guess that's a word that's going to come up a lot today. 
if there can be some compromise where both parties' needs are met to a certain extent and forward motion can begin, then that's prob that's probably the generic answer to what to do. <laughs> you know, find mm -hmm. you know if, if splitting up's off the table, which it, which it probably should be in almost every case. It seems pretty rare where I, I would be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, then it probably comes down to compromise to produce forward motion and a lot of yeah so so how do you do that how do you do that how do you find or we could also say like what are some of the things that typically become um misaligned or what what are the where, where do the fights usually start <laughs> well i i can't help but think of this scenario with a very brief client of mine many years ago <laughs> and it was it was a husband and wife team and they ran a business and the husband wanted to hire me to redo their brand. And believe me, they needed it. Mm -hmm. It was really a mess. But the husband was kind of a public personality. So he had an existing brand. So it was really like realigning everything around that. And the wife was on the initial call. Everything was great. They, they signed on. And I delivered the first draft. And the wife hated it. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that the original branding was her idea, <laughs> which somehow I had not Speaking uncovered. <laughs> yeah. And so we had the meeting. It was very awkward. The meeting was over. The husband called me. And it was the only time I'd ever been fired from a client assignment. And he said, listen, he goes, I love what you're doing. He goes, this is fantastic. He goes, but this is my wife. Mm -hmm. This is my life partner. I don't want to take on this argument. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, so he he paid me the rest of the assignment and uh, and off they went, uh, never to be heard from again. But <laughs> but that was an example where, you know, their their business partners and their life partners, but they had very different ideas. They they both wanted to get to the same place, mm -hmm. but they had different ideas about how to get there. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. So I've had a, I've had a couple of conversations I, I can think of many you know a half dozen maybe a dozen over the past year or two with um and it's not always it, it's not always technically legally partners but it's always people who are acting like partners so it's like it could be yeah it could be um ceo coo it could be co-founders it could be um it, it could be like founder first employee or founder best friend so <laughs> yeah you know where they're where they are very much very much interested in in the other person's well-being like that's established yeah right like everybody's heart's in the right place yeah there's care there yes right so that's a key that's a key i think a key foundational point you know like the of compromise okay the, everybody's heart's in the right place and and one person the sort of dissatisfied person, let's say, is trying to get approval or get buy-in on tactical decisions to kind of pull the whole organization or the, the whole partnership in a direction. And the other person, the status quo person, is resisting the tactic, is saying no to the tactical decisions because they don't see the point or whatever excuse they come up with. Mm -hmm. And they just get locked in this, you know, um, we should use... Uh, like we should start using uh, social media ads or pay-per-click ads or just little like little tactical decisions and and they and and the two people are fighting over this this thing and really what's going on is they aren't 
even though their hearts are in the right place and they want what's best for everyone, they have never, or, or maybe they did in the past, but it's time for a conversation around what are their goals? What is the objective? Mm -hmm. What is this business for? What do we want from it? And let's get really specific about that because because the, what has happened, I think the, the source of the misalignment is can often be that the two people have different objectives in their mind that have been undiscussed. So like one person wants to double the revenue. The other person wants to decrease costs and maybe let some employees go to increase profits. But nobody has that conversation. They haven't had that conversation. Yeah. And so they're trying to do these little things to kind of get their way without, perhaps subconsciously. And it's like, why would you, you know, it's like, ah, why, why are you trying to do that? You know, that tactile, that little tactical thing. Why would you not give that person a raise? Why would you not create a sales funnel? Why would you not? want to have a podcast or a lead magnet or like why would you not want to hire a coach or you know and it's and they can't explain it without having the conversation about like oh wait a second we have different visions for where we should be going at this point and that's a really hard conversation i feel like the tactics are an escape mechanism to avoid having that big discussion it's not always conscious but sometimes it's pretty conscious <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it well, it, sometimes it's very conscious for one of the parties and perhaps yes. not the other. Yeah. Yeah, so the yeah. the the status quo person is usually happy as a clam. Uh if, if these other people if this partner would just stop bugging me about these social media ads or like <laughs> like posting on social media every day or whatever the tactic is, you know, it's like everything's fine. And like, well, the other person's yeah. like, "No, everything's not fine." It's like, "Okay, well, in what way? Like, what's let's have that long walk and and talk it through like to me that's that's a major starting point because if you've got two people that see let's just stay, say with business partners specifically if you've got two mm -hmm. people that want to take the business in dramatically different ways maybe it is time to talk about well let's let's talk about carving this thing up and and you know it can go on we can happily merrily go off in our two different directions and find a find a win-win like that can happen that that's i've certainly seen that happen well, yeah, but that's also assuming that they're true business partners with ownership versus um, two people like like the when you have somebody who's followed a founder around, right? Yep. The first employee example, and yeah, they you know they have some interest in the business, but it's really about more than carving it up. Do you know yep. what I mean? It's more about their relationship and how they create whatever it is they've decided they want to create together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I want to stay away from the splitting up anyway. So, so like, um, so what are in your experience? What have been the kinds of misalignment in unstated objectives that typically crop up? Oh man, um, <laughs> a lot revolve around like big picture business model. Good Do one. we want to grow with employees? Do we want to grow with contractors? Do we want to just have it be us and use you know the people as we need them? Do we want to grow a company to take it public? Do we want to grow a company to sell? Do we want to create software or do we want to actually do execution? Do we want to move towards strategy or do we want to get big execution projects? I could go all day. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, you you rattled off like those are those are great. Those are great. Uh, all the, mine, mine were uh, smaller actually. So like, 
Um, one example is like the division of labor where someone's feeling like they're working way too much. Uh, but that's not even the goal. That's not even goal level. Yeah, that was a great list. Holy mackerel. Um, a couple that I that I would say are strategic high level stuff that's similar to what you just said would be like um, whether or not to niche down and specialize, maybe niche down in a target market or specialize. I've seen that mm-hmm. cause real problems. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Any kind of like any kind of public face stuff like marketing stuff, like how, you know, what what do we want to be? Like, how do we how do we want this company yeah. to be remembered? Like, what do we want to stand for um, in that in that? So it's all the little strategic high level positioning stuff. Like who is our ideal buyer? Who is the target market? What is the expensive problem? What's our special, like, like what do we want our superpower to be? Um, what are, it's like the identity level stuff. And you listed a bunch of identity level stuff too, like kind of business model or service versus product or uh, execution versus strategy. Like those are all huge. Well, and the other thing is, I'm glad you used the word identity because I, I, I jotted that down as you were talking, is that um, this is about, it's also about how we feel individually about who we are and what we want to have happen in the world. And so when you have two partners, two business partners, your personal identity may get attached to different things in different ways. So like, you know, like you and I, you could get really excited about, um, I don't know, serving people in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And I could get really excited about serving Pacific Islanders, uh, you know, in, in, Hawaii. You know, we could pick those different kinds of things because they speak to us. And, you know, that that always happens. And I think that's it's one of those hidden things sometimes in in strategic disagreements with partners. Mm, Right. Because we all have this idea of who we want to be and how we how our identity attaches or doesn't attach, usually attaches to the business. Yeah, totally agree. Right. And it's, and it's, that one's real subtle. I feel like that one can be really subtle where, you know, you, you know, it's imagine a decision, you're in a decision, you have two partners, you've got a project opportunity, you're putting together a proposal. You can get in like that stuff that you just said can cause a giant fight in the creation of the proposal. Like you'll see it crop up <laughs> right there because yeah for a couple of reasons, like let's say one person is more revenue driven and the other person's more mission driven right there. You're never going to be able to agree how to price it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, yeah, we have to help these people. Right. Yeah. But it has to be a million dollars. Right. But we have to help these people. They can't they afford can only that. Afford 250. Right. Right. Yeah. So when you're <laughs> pricing, so it's like, I mean, like how, how cliche would it be to say that like all partnership problems boil down to money? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but they don't. Yeah. No, no, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. I mean, yeah. I I think of, you know, one of my partnerships and, you know, we had long conversations about what the partnership would look like going in and we mostly kept to it. But there were times and and, we both were guilty of this where we wanted a little bit more than what we thought we did. At the beginning. And so an example would be, so my partner was actually, basically had been my boss in another life, like Mm -hmm. a couple levels above me and much older than me. And so the deal was that, you know, he would provide this guidance because he'd run businesses before. I'd never started a business from scratch. I mean, I really, I kind of didn't even know what I didn't know. And he was really helpful 
in doing that. And then the flip side was that I would be the public face of the organization, which is what I wanted, Mm -hmm. right? I wanted my spot in the limelight. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of in the background, even though he had all this experience. But yeah, but as we move forward, uh, sometimes it was hard for him to take a back seat. Uh And so he'd like do these little things. And I don't even think they were conscious, like these little things, you know? And so, yeah, I really, I learned, I I knew this from my client work because I've done a lot of work with like dysfunctional partnerships and, you know, (laughs) kind of figured out how to get people to talk to each other. But yeah, when you do it yourself or you have that situation yourself with a business partner, you can kind of see, and it's easier to see in retrospect than it is in the moment. Mm. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of those strategic and foundational identity things that happen. And the, the tactical things are just how they how they manifest. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like fighting over the, the the toilet seat being up. It's like that's not the problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> oh please, I learned that one. 40 years ago. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So, right. Uh, <laughs> so how how much of your experience doing mergers and acquisitions do you think comes to bear here? Because isn't that kind of like, I mean, that is like another planet for me. Like, I don't know but anything about that. But other than you've got these two parties that are probably, there's probably animosity, hidden animosities at every level that. Yeah. Yeah. So. And a lot of fear. Uh-huh. Well, I think the difference, I learned a lot from my M&A work. I think the difference between that and and the listeners on this is with the M&A, there was, there was no choice involved. I mean, there was for the CEOs typically. But, you know, if you're even a VP level or a C-suite, you didn't necessarily have much of a vote in this happening. Mm-hmm. So there you are. And you and so you've got no vote and it's happening to you. So you have to figure out, well, how are you going to come out of this merger? This is what goes on in the minds of the employees. And so there's some like really crazy things people do, <laughs> right? Because they're acting out. I mean, I saw it at, at, um, at Anderson when Enron happened, like some people that were normally like really smart, thoughtful people did some crazy things, you know. And I won't, I won't say what those were. Um, you but mean like, yeah, like ad hominem attacks and throwing people under the bus or like back channeling. Oh well, they, they, yeah, a lot of, a lot of throwing people under the bus, a lot of positioning by making somebody else bad so that you can look good. Mm. Um, one tried to do what I would call an unscrupulous transaction, not illegal, but unscrupulous. And, you know, and basically was going to like take revenue from one business unit, a lot of revenue and move it to the other one, Mm -hmm. like with some sleight of hand with client relationships. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like, you know, so my point is that, you know, when you don't have control and big things happen and people feel threatened, they do all kinds of things. So, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a way to, put that in perspective for our kinds of businesses is that when you have crazy things happen, that is typically when people want to act out. Like if all of a sudden your revenue drops or um, we have a pandemic Mm -hmm. and nobody's taking your calls, right? Those are the things that inspire fear and can make your partner or you do some things you wouldn't normally do. Oh man, that's so true. Cause right. Because like when everything's great, everything's great. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're being tested, 
things aren't going great and you you haven't faced that like if you hadn't faced that previously and it's the first time then like people's reaction to reaction to the thing that's out of their control could be wildly different right yeah i'm i'm thinking of of someone i talked to maybe three months into the pandemic, whose business had been pretty good. Um, But they were the primary breadwinner for the family. And all of a sudden, literally nobody was taking their calls. Mm -hmm. And so they did this kind of knee-jerk reaction, which they never would have done before, with a very me-focused set of of marketing and branding messages and like I kind of had to talk them off the ledge like you really don't want to send this like let's rework this so that it's focused on them and not you mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah marketing from a place of fear does not work oh. it, in fact, and it's it such a horrible place to be oh feel yeah, so bad yeah it's that it's awful right so yeah. so let's so let's swing back it's like so many cool side topics here but let's swing back to You've, you know, you, you've got a partner, you've recognized that you're squabbling over pricing and proposals or the toilet seat being up or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, maybe something's going on here that's bigger than this. So let's talk about the overall, the big picture and see if we can find some overlap in the Venn diagram of what our objectives are now, because they might be different than three years ago. So, yes. you know, so let's see, let's see if we've just sort of you know grown apart in terms of our big picture. <laughs> probably probably hadn't you know there's probably some overlap there so but have the conversation um because the the overlap might have changed or whatever so like get get aligned get on the same page there and then the next step in my opinion is to say okay we we can agree that this is the goal and i'm hesitating to tell a personal story here but (laughs) but i'll do it anyway (laughs) like it's so funny there's certain projects that we'll do around the house where where we we can both see Eric and I both see that there's like a clear uh, desired future state like we want the the uh, whatever moving the couch from the di- living room to the dining room because we're gonna have people for Thanksgiving right you know if you ever moved a couch with somebody and you're like it's obvious to you that you should tip the back <laughs> up this way and the but then the other person is the exact opposite so we're wrestling with it it's like what are you doing <laughs> I, I'm the other person yeah I can never figure out which way the couch should go to get it through the, the door <laughs> right but here's the moral of the story we're both right it would work either way that's that's the important thing to realize it's like mm-hmm. you might both be aligned on the objective but and and you the next step, though, is to agree on the strategy. And there are multiple strategies that could work. But you got to make sure you're both doing the same one because yes. it's how you're going to make all of your decisions after the fact. So in, yeah. in my opinion, I guess it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So like with the tree the example, because I wrote an email <laughs> about the Japanese maple the other day. So in the tree example, that was clearly in her territory. Like I am not a yard guy. I it's just like tell me what to do. I don't want to have any input into how to do this. It's fine. I I'll take orders. It's fine. I'm sure she has a way to do it that would be way better than any strategy I would come up with. So it's fine. And then when when I'm in the garage with the table saw, she just leaves it to me. She's like, "I just want a trellis over here. It's going to look like this. Here's a picture from Pinterest. Make it look like that." So we're both mm-hmm. totally aligned on the outcome. And she doesn't have any advice about how I should approach the project. It's the moving the couch stuff where, you know, we're <laughs> both like neither one of us is kind of like an expert, so to speak, where it, it, it gets funny. So 
with the so if if you the two people can agree on a objective and then say okay let's brainstorm some strategies what are some different ways a concise high level approach to achieving this outcome what are some different ways we could do that we could add employees we could we could start value pricing we could position ourselves in this niche there's like a million ways to achieve mm-hmm. we could partner with people in this space or people adjacent to us there's so many different high level you know clear concise uh, approaches to achieving the objective so you, but you can't skip that step or you'll still be out of alignment because one person thinks the move is growth at all costs and the other person think it's impact at all costs or whatever and even though you are agreed on the objective your strategies are if they're different then you're both going to want to have different tactics and you're back to the tactics fight mm-hmm well, and I think the classic is if you can't agree on who your ideal client's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about how that has ripple effects through everything that you do, right? Because totally. it's, yeah. And whether you decide who your ideal client is first or the services that you, services and products that you want to offer first, I mean, they need to be integrated. Right. So, yeah. And, that, and you can imagine how that would completely pollute all any of your marketing activities if if one person is like oh i don't know um we need to go after asphalt companies because or or like heavy construction companies because there's all this infrastructure money right now so they're thinking like oh huge opportunity and the Mm. other person is like they don't need our help these people need our help more but they don't have as much money so we're gonna have to come up with more of a, a volume play you know like where mm-hmm. we sell instead of selling a, a couple of really big uh, implementation projects per year or even strategy projects per year we sell like a product or a plugin well that's a product but we sell a productized service or some kind of product that's at a lower price point but we but so we have to sell 10 times as much right and that and that if the goal like the goal could be get from get from 2 million to 10 million you know, while increasing our impact okay. or whatever it is. Like, so, okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right, great. I've got an idea. We'll go after heavy construction. We'll do all of the things that we need to do to attract those kinds of clients or get into those conversations. And that's a strategy that could work. So mm-hmm. is the other one, you know, where you're yeah. like, no, these people need our help more. Uh, they can only spend $100 a year or $100 a month or whatever. So we need to design products and services or probably just products at that level that, they can afford that will help them with this thing. That, I mean, it's like, a, that's a, that's a big, big divide. And I'm exaggerating it yeah. to make the point, but. Yeah. Well, but, but there's also this like, who do you care about? And that's the thing. So, it, you know, one partner might be more opportunistic, like mm-hmm. in the, in that example. And the other one might be, well, who do we care about? Because yes, this is a business. Yes. I want to make plenty of money, but I also want to work with people that I really like and whose business uh, objectives and mission I care about. I mean, you know, you can have th- those kinds of disagreements as well. Yeah. It comes back to the identity thing, the personal identity mm-hmm. thing that you mentioned earlier. It's like, I don't want to go yeah. to a party and tell people, you know, like I'm just playing the role of one of the partners. I don't want to go to a party and tell people that we like do build software for dump trucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to, I want to say, you know, we, we saved 3000 people last year from malaria. That's I saved people from malaria. That's what I want to say. So, right. So it totally ties in, especially for, I think, especially for, uh, you know, small, maybe a two person partnership, maybe two or three people, small firm, uh, something like that. There's, if I feel like usually there's, I guess, I don't know if I would say usually, but there's a lot of identity rolled up in there. Like, 
like there can be quite a bit of of that personal identity that that they want the business to support yes so if you get one person that's sort of mission driven and the other person just feels entrepreneurial and doesn't really care as long as as long as it makes it to the bottom line again i'm exaggerating but like these can be they just a slight difference in let's say opportunism versus idealism between the two people can really affect the strategy so you just find the overlap in in this you know strategically that there's always a risk that a strategy will fail but that could reach the shared objective and then you've got a strategy and then when a tactical decision comes up it's like oh should we uh you know i don't know put flyers under windshield wipers in the in the walmart parking lot <laughs> and then you well does that align with the strategy it's not even like yes or no it's like does that align with the strategy well no because that would be you know ecologically unsound or whatever you know just be like that's what the strategy's for so that you can say no mm-hmm. to stuff you know what stuff to say no yeah. to yeah well and i think the same thing can happen when you're a soloist and your partner is your life partner, right? They're not in the business, but you could be the soloist who has created this sort of lifestyle business. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all, where you've said, okay, I want to do this. I want to have a life. I want to make plenty of money. I want to have lots of free time. I want to have flexibility and I want to serve, you know, X, Mm -hmm. you know, you can have all those things. But if your partner, your life partner is kind of saying, well, okay, as long as you're contributing you know, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 to our joint bottom line, you know, whatever that is, mm-hmm. go go do it. Right. Right. But if the person isn't doing that, then you're setting yourselves up for conflict. Right. And there's other, there's even aside from money, like the first thing that popped into my head before even money was uh, um, here, here's the strategic goal for 2023. It's going to involve me um, be living on a plane for 200 days. Like, no, mm-hmm. that's a non-starter. <laughs> right. I mean, I wouldn't do that. Not anyway, going to fly. So to speak. Yeah. Good one. So another one could be, um, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, as a, a soloist, right. But you've got a spouse. Uh, I'm going to make strategic, strategic decision to be way more iconoclastic online. I'm going to pick fights all the mm. time on social media and I'm just going to d- adopt a persona, you know, like, uh, not trolley, but you know, the type, you know, the people, the yeah. people that are confrontational, super confrontational. Yes. Thank you. Aggressive. Right. I'm going to adopt a confrontational attitude on social media to attract followers and attention and sell books. And, and I, I could see someone being like, no, mm, no, I, I'm not going to be the person who married that person. <laughs> that guy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's plenty of these, like where the, where even a soloist would have, has someone, you know, there, it, like at the beginning, near the beginning, we we're talking about like everybody's heart's in the right place. Like so there and a lot of this stuff, especially with per- soloists with personal brand type things, you know, your name and face is on everything. You've got to everyone around you has to live with that, not just you. Right. So you, you could imagine them having a valid reason to object to, the, you know, your, your actions in public. Yeah, because, you know, we tend to think that our partner's actions reflect on us. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you do? It comes back to objective, strategy, and then tactics. 
Thank you very much. Well, and you know, the underlying, you know, theme of all of this is is talking about it. Yep. Right? It's like that's what I think the example you used early on with, you know, the the sort of the war of tactics. It's like that's war never gets won. It never finishes, right? It's until you have that strategic conversation and you get aligned big picture, it's really hard to make any tactics work. Mhm. Yeah, you're just moving one inch in every direction. Yeah, I mean, one of the smartest things that my business partner from years ago and I ever did was before we did anything, before we left our jobs, we actually sat down and and worked on what are what are our values? What is it that we want to create together? And very big picture, it was a little bit over a page. We finally got it down to a page. And we used to use that document to make decisions. Like, should we hire this person? Should we, we had this, uh, I've talked about it before. We had this little sort of slight pivot into another market that I then went scurrying back from. (laughs) But yeah, but you know, do we do that? Yes or no. And so those kinds of conversations, and if you can reduce it to a series of statements that maybe aren't public, maybe it's just between you, but mm. it's it can be really helpful. It's like a guidepost when you're trying to decide what to do. And the flip side is if you still want to do the something else anyway, then you go back to your partner and say, oh, uh, number seven, mm-hmm. how, do we, how are we feeling about that right now? Because right. I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of like having checklists and SOPs for things where just having the the document makes it there's some like it, it doesn't have to be it shouldn't be something at high level and strategic shouldn't be changing all the time but it does give you something to go back to and be like like is this still what we think you know like the world has changed yeah. the business has grown uh, we've grown as individuals are we still cool with this charter or whatever you want to call it and. And then you can revisit it and revise it, amend it, or whatever. If you both, you know, maybe annually you'd have a conversation around that. And uh, it's it's funny. It makes me want to go back to the email chain we had at the very beginning. Be like, like, are we? Did we do what we said? Did we do what we planned on doing? I can't remember. It seems like we must have, but yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, cool. I mean, I don't know. Is there? Have we left anything out? Well, obviously, we're not counselors here <laughs> in, in that <laughs> and sense. And we don't play one on TV. Yes, yes. We're not therapists. You know, we're coaches. But yeah, and I think the, the thing is, the thing I, only thing I would add to this is that I think sometimes we fear addressing the big picture thing. And, you know, I, I just, I always go back to big picture because mm-hmm. it's just usually when there's, when, you know, something's starting to run off the rails, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And so going back to the big picture, um, it's sort of like if, if you're married and you have a fight and, and you make up and then you remember your wedding day, you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was so wonderful. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, you you're really, it's important to go back and look at the strategy, the glue that holds this partnership together. Mm. And I think if if we're afraid to look at that, then, you know, it, it's not going to be good. We have to be able to go back and talk about that and bring it up and be brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's scary to go look at the foundation because it might have cracks in it. And you're like, oh, yeah, right. And then it's like, oh, yeah. we're to do something about that. But like, That's what's the alternative? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.